Small Talk, the arts and entertainment podcast for the Arkansas Times. I'm Amaya Jones, and I'm here with Stephanie Smittle. Hello, and today we're talking with Evan Jacobs, who, as Chloe Jacobs, is your new Miss Gay Arkansas. We want to run down a little bit of arts and entertainment news. First off, Galactic Scoundrels, a space western storytelling card game. Uh, This was created by a group of employees, students, faculty, and alumni at UA Little Rock. And they sort of basically created this card game, put up a Kickstarter with the goal of $17,000, ended up raising $27,000, over $27,000 to create it. And um, so that's going to be in in a run. It's sort of helmed by UA Little Rock Department of Rhetoric and Writing, Professor Joseph Williams, graduate students Tanner Marshall and Olivia Dunlap, alumnus Robbie Hunt, and faculty members Brad Sims and Kevin Kate, who are already working on the next card game project called To the Rescue in which players learn how to run an animal shelter and help real-world shelters by supporting the game. So Williams, who's in charge of, of this group called Little Rock Game Designers, said, People can make it a charity experience for themselves. We believe that games can be more than entertainment, that they can be used to do something meaningful in the world. And this is a game that definitely fits that category. Pretty cool. Um, next up, we just want to let you know about a couple of book releases. First off, uh, from University of Arkansas Press, there's a cool photo collection. It's called It's All Done Gone, Arkansas Photographs from the Farm Security Administration Collection, 1935 to 1943. This is a collection of over a quarter million images of Depression-era Farm Security Administration archives. The author, Patsy G. Watkins, who is the uh, former chair of the U of A's journalism department, curated. She picked about 200 photographs from uh, many photographers of the time uh, that were pertinent to Arkansas, including cotton tenant farmers, sharecroppers, rehabilitation clients, resettlement farms, and the flood of 1937. So if you're an Arkansas history buff, Uh, Check that out. Also, if you are a a historian of Rower or the Japanese internment camps in Arkansas, check out Mia Ayumi Malhotra's Isako Isako. It's out September 4th from a publisher, Alice James. You'll find it at alicejamesbooks.org. AliceJamesBooks.org. Isako Isako. Check it out. And then lastly, on some local book news, we've got wind of some new releases from Little Rock's own sibling rivalry press. There is Sister, a novel in poems from Nicole Brown. This is one that Seth Pennington, the editor-in-chief at Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry, has a piece on his blog, which you'll find at sethpennington.com, about why publishing this book is so important to him and so important to the mission of the press. I'll commend that to your reading, but suffice to say, the book is serendipitously connected to sibling rivalry and sort of Seth Pennington's uh, introduction to Brian Borland and their creation of the press. So check that out. And we'll link to that piece on the blog post that accompanies this podcast. There's another book out from sibling rivalry press called Othered by Randy Romo. If you were at Kaleidoscope's uh, street, uh, queer street arts fair Mm -hmm. you probably saw this book or saw randy romo that's coming out she's a local poet and activist who's been integral part of the lgbt community here in little rock through the center for artistic revolution and other groups spent a lot of time fighting for immigrant rights and she will launch her book called othered with a reading september 13th at guillermo's you can find out more about those and other releases forthcoming from sibling rivalry at 
SiblingRivalryPress.com. So we screened The Red Shoes. And turnout was phenomenal. There was so much interest that they added a second screening. And it really, I like to, I, I like to take a lot of pride in sort of the films that we pick for this series. And it, it was really, uh, it was nice to see like so many people turn out for that. It was pure to, mm-hmm. magic. I mean, the film itself, I know uh, I and some of my colleagues who were there last mm-hmm. night have been thinking about it all day. Yeah. So. Uh, what, so, and because you hadn't seen it by the time we did the preview. So what, what? Yeah, do you want to share any thoughts that you had with it? I'd only seen the ballet scene, um, which is, you know, about a 15-minute chunk that doesn't have any dialogue. It's just devoted to showing the culmination of the film, which is um, Moira Shearer's portrayal of uh, this dancer, who is herself portraying uh, this figure at the, the middle of a fairy tale who comes across these red shoes that... Um, uh, dance her to her her death, right? And so there's, you know, a few things. I loved the meta story within a story and mm-hmm. how it was handled. I also, just as a music person and a person who's worked with other people in a stage environment, really appreciated the way they wrote, like, theater types, yes. right? It was really realistic. Uh, the students at the beginning, the way the company business was handled, I think it showed also sometimes how, like, very scattershot and fickle the process of becoming a star in the in the in the dance or Mm -hmm. music industry can be it can really have a lot less to do with your talent and a lot more to do with you know people's whims and and um which is not to say that that the people who rise to the top of those industries aren't um meant to be there but that there are just a lot of other factors in play and then the editing, my God, the yeah. editing. Uh, this movie is, as I was talking about with my colleague Benji, just a classic uh, demonstration of showing rather than telling. So instead of devoting a quarter hour of dialogue to a particular plot point, they just accomplished things mm-hmm. like that with a single image and just beautifully, beautifully done. Yeah. I was thinking afterwards, uh, one of the things that impresses me about this film is how unconcerned with plot it is, right? Like, because a lot of the plot development happens in the background. Mm-hmm. So, like, when Lermontov finds out that Paige and Craster are in a relationship, it's been a st- that they've been in a relationship by that point for some time, and it's off screen, and it sort of happens very quickly. Meanwhile, like, it's more concerned with the act of actually putting together a show and creation and how... Uh, you make these creative decisions and how you get the best work from the people that you surround yourself with. Um, so I think it's much more concerned with like theme than it is with plot. Yeah. There's yeah. so much that's not in the movie mm-hmm. that we don't need. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like lots of filmmakers probably learn a lot about what makes a movie interesting. You know? Yeah. Not just plot points. You know. mm-hmm. We've got to get person from point A to point B you know, in the red shoes that can, that's just done with a single series mm-hmm. of strong yeah. images or um, just a collection yeah. of images set to orchestral yeah. music. Uh, another thing I really loved about the film is just aside from maybe um, the animation companies, mm-hmm. Disney and Pixar, I don't see as much of, uh, of uh, an embracing attitude toward orchestral music mm-hmm. as accompaniment to film anymore. Um, which is not to say that, there's not some really great film soundtracks and some really great film composition happening, but um, it's it, it was really lovely. It was it was lovely that they used it to um, not only advance these uh, 
again, this, these plot points that, that we'd much rather see visually pop up, uh, but that it was the through line to the movie. The music was the most important part, not only of the ballet, but of the whole movie. It was just, um, you know, was, and as yeah. I say in The Big Lebowski, it was the rug that tied the whole room together. Oh, yeah. Uh, so next month, we're screening All That Jazz, which is a film that's also about the creative process. It's also about sacrificing uh, yourself for your art. Uh, but it is a very different take on that. But it is also also a, a musical. Um, I, we'll, we'll talk about that more in a few weeks when we do the preview show. But um, I'm really excited about that because I've been on this Fosse kick lately. And um, I'm kind of excited to just talk about Bob Fosse for however long people are willing to tolerate it. All right. Yeah. We'll keep you in the loop on that. And we'll be back with Evan Jacobs, your new Miss Gay Arkansas 2018. back to No Small Talk. I'm Stephanie Smittle. I'm here with Omaya Jones. I'm also here with Evan Jacobs, who has just been crowned Miss Gay Arkansas 2018. Yay, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Evan. So finally, this is not your first try? This is not my first try. Okay. But first of all, thanks for having me. Um, this is actually my fourth time to okay. go to Miss Gay Arkansas and compete at Miss Gay Arkansas. I was first alternate twice and second alternate once. So close. I know, so close. And then I took three years off just to kind of regroup myself, regather myself, figure out what it was that wasn't working, figure out what would work. And I did it this year. It's exciting. Yeah. So this is the senior preliminary to Miss Gay America. To Miss and Gay so America. what is next for you? Um, now I'm preparing for Miss Gay America, October third through the sixth in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, basically my goal this year is to make it to top 10. That's one of my ultimate goals, make it to top 10. It's been a long time that someone from Arkansas has made it to the top 10. Is that right? Yes. It's been, I want to say 93 maybe was the last time that someone actually won it from Arkansas. Um, she wasn't the current reigning Miss Gay Arkansas, but she was from Arkansas. And then I want to say, um, who was it? Vicky Valentine was the last one to make it to top 10. And that's been some several years ago. That's a great name. Yeah. Vicky Valentine. <laughs> How did you choose your name? Chloe? Um, Chloe, actually the first name that I had was Emerald. Okay. Emerald Rose. I don't know why I did it, but I was like, let's go with it. Let's do it. And then I performed one time, actually did a Diamond State Rodeo Association turnabout show. Um, and about two weeks later, I kind of decided that I was going to go a little bit further than just a turnabout show with drag. Um, so then I started doing talent nights. And I started thinking of names. And at the time, it was, of course, all the Kardashians. They were super popular. And I kind of threw, like, girl names, like Brittany, Chloe, something. I was like, Chloe, it stuck with me, but not with a K. We got to go with a C. I can't be a Kardashian. Classic. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Classic Chloe. That's totally me. So I was looking at some of the photography from the pageant. Yeah. Uh, The first thing that anybody, I think, would notice is that you are easily the tallest person on stage. Absolutely. And that seems to really work beautifully for you. Absolutely. I don't downplay it either. Most people would probably try to downplay it, but I embrace it. And I hardly will ever walk around just in a bar without six-inch heels on. I do it all the time. I want to be the tallest one in there. I want to be able to be found, and I want to find everyone. I love it. I also love your... So when 
this beautiful photo of you being crowned, you have this like classic pageant, like Miss America, like, I'm so surprised. Like, really? Me? Honestly, whenever it came down to crowning, I did not think that I had it. Because they go through and they'll announce, you know, um, preliminary category awards. And so they announced male interview. I didn't win male interview. They announced presentation. I didn't win presentation. And then they announced on stage question. Didn't win on stage question. Well, then they didn't announce two other categories. And there's, I mean, because kind of you think on the point, sy- point system that whenever you're looking at it, the winner of talent and the winner of gown, they kind of get placed higher on the roster. And they start announcing the alternates. They go fourth alternate, third alternate, second alternate. And they got to the first alternate. And I was like, this is going to be me once again. First alternate. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride, you know. And they announced the first alternate. And I swear to you, I kid you not, it got down to the winner. And they said, the contestant going on to Miss Gay America and winning Miss Gay Arkansas is contestant number. And you can see me in the video. I literally, like, look to my left. I look to my right. And I just, like, take a deep breath in. And I don't move for the next, like, four seconds. And then they announced my number. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm so shocked that I won. Because I also... Registration starts at nine o'clock for the pageant. I didn't wake up. So yeah, I woke up to someone knocking on my door. And at that point it was already like 945. So either way it goes, you're already getting 25 administrative points taken off your total score. Yeah. 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 And it was everything had kind of like fallen apart before the pageant. And so I think honestly... Getting those 25 points taken away was that, like, boost for me to be like, all right, you got to make those points up, and you got to do everything else to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of fascinating in and of itself and something that I didn't know, is that an element of this competition is, it's not just all pageantry and gowns. There's a male interview. Yeah. And does that mean that you're dressing in, like, street dress, like... You go in... It's kind of like an interview for a job. You go in um, in male interview attire. You go in in a suit, tie, dressed up really, really nicely. Something that nobody else gets to see. It's only those five judges, the current reigning Miss Gay Arkansas and the um, reigning Miss America. Mm-hmm. Those are the only mm-hmm. people that get to sit there and see. And it's a seven-minute... It's a timed portion. They knock on the door at six minutes and they give you about a minute to close up, wrap up, say your closing statement, and then you're out the door. So there must be some time allotment. It's not like you, you know, drag takes a while, right? right. So you get a lot of time to ramp up and prepare for the pageant part. Yeah, this, that starts at nine o'clock in the morning, the male interview portion, and they'll go through like registration, um, Maybe if there's a production that you do on stage, they'll run through that, choreograph it, show everyone where they need to be. And I think Mel Interview started at 11.30, and I was contestant number eight, so I was kind of in the middle of the pack the whole time. So I had time between each category to get ready, but we ended Mel Interview, I think I was out of there by 12 o'clock, 12.30, and I was going home, and Mm -hmm. I actually went home, I took a bath, I laid down and took a nap. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't have to be back for a roll call until 7 o'clock. But the bar opened at 5 if you wanted to take props in or All do right. whatever. Yeah. But I like to get ready at home. In your own? In my own oh, room. No. Like, nobody's talking to me. I can listen to my music, mm-hmm. practice my music. And then once I get there, then I can kiki with everyone. 
What song? What you can what with everyone? Kiki. Can you? Let's have a kiki. Just talk and like <laughs> hang out. And just talk, have fun with them for a moment. You know. You learn something new every day. Yeah. Um, kiki. Okay. Are we kikiing right, right now? We're kikiing right now. Okay. Yeah. Great. We're si- we're um, sipping tea. Sipping tea. We're spilling tea and sipping okay. tea. Yeah, that one. Okay. Um, you said that after the first few times you didn't make it, you re- you took three years off to retool. Mm-hmm. What was that retooling like, and what? What did, you, what did you look at? What did you change? Um, it was basically, like, I went into performing, and I started pageantry, like, six months into performing. Um, so I didn't ever really have time to sit back and watch it and see it all as a whole. I could only see what I was doing and what was on my side of it. So I took three years off to basically, like, find myself and figure out what I really wanted to do with my career as far as performing and um, learn to do it my way because I'd always listened to kind of what everyone else told me to do and what everyone else gave me advice on. And this year I was like, you know what? I think the only way that I'm going to win it is if I do every single thing on my own and I even like down to talent. I choreographed a lot of it. I let my dancers come in and see what I had, and then we all collaborated together, and we were like, oh, that looks good there. Let's do that there. Um, Gown, I picked out my gown on my own with the help of one of my friends. We went to Kentucky, and the guy from Kentucky, he made it. He also works with a lot of the RuPaul Drag Race girls, making their costumes and things. Um, He made it. It was supposed to be in way earlier than it was supposed to be in, but I got it the Tuesday before the pageant. We stayed up Tuesday night, Wednesday night, until about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, stoning the dress ourselves. Wow. Yeah. Is it this came, the one with the flames? Mm-hmm. It came with no no stones on it whatsoever. It was only a sequins fabric. Wow. Yeah. So, I, basi- I mean, I basically just took time to, to figure myself out and to come back and do it my way. Do it the way that I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what sold on stage is that... She is out there doing what she wants to do, and she's loving it, and we can read it all over her face. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted. I wanted the judges to see I wanted it as much as I wanted it. Mm -hmm. And I think they really, really got to see it. And actually, the head judge of the pageant judged me at my first ever pageant. So it was kind of cool to come back and see it all over again and to hear what she had to say about mm-hmm. it. See Do you the progression? Did she say things the first time? Like, were you able to, like, sort of compare um, I can't really remember yeah. back then too much of what she said. Um, but then again, I also take it with what it was, and it was my first year to do a state pageant, you know. And I made first alternate my first year. So I was more than pleased with whatever the outcome of it was. And I just took that and I took all of the experience in because I got to go to Miss America my first year as well. So they send your winner and your first alternate to Miss America. So although the first alternate doesn't have as much duties as the winner, but the first alternate has a lot more to prove whenever they go to nationals. So they go a lot harder. They they gun for themselves a lot more than mm-hmm. what they probably would at state. Can you talk about, and, and I understand that you know, you're, I'm not asking you to speak for like the drag community as a whole, because surely this is different for everyone. But can you talk about like, so when you say she, this is your onstage personality. Mm-hmm. And, and what's, what sort of distance is there between you and that personality? And what 
parts cross over? And like, like, how do you identify with Chloe and as Chloe versus like right now as Evan? Um, I think really the professional eye of it kind of makes it all whole is because whenever I'm out in a bar, everyone sees Chloe. Everyone knows Chloe. Um, whenever I'm in the street, they don't know who I am. You know, so they can't really, unless, of course, they're one of my friends, but just average people on the street that have been to a bar and seen me perform, they wouldn't put the two and two together, although I do wear fake nails. But, um, like, the stage personality and Evan were totally different because Evan will normally walk into a room and be the one that's in the corner, whereas Chloe is the one that wants to walk in the room and be in the middle. I get to kind of be a different person without being a different person. Like, my personality shows through a lot more. I'm bright, shiny. I want the attention. I want people to pay attention to me, of course, whenever I'm on stage. Um, And then, like, whenever I group with my friends, we basically all call each other she. We will just do it. Just like, she did this, you know? And it's because we're so used to being in that uh, bar environment that we get so used to saying like Queen Anthony or Chloe, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just she, she, she. Where as a boy, I do try to sometimes call them by their boy name. It's just really hard. It's too many names once you break it down, you know. Right. It's too many names. We should tell our listeners to that. So we'll put a photo of you as um, like your your crowning photo on the blog post that accompanies this podcast. And we should say like wardrobe wise, um, that person looks very different from the person that's sitting in the studio with us today. Like you present very differently. Yes. Those two yes. arenas. Um, and that is kind of one thing that I am. I, I never really, probably because of where I grew up from, you know, like I grew up from? in Brinkley, Arkansas, mm-hmm. really small town, mm-hmm. not a lot going on there, you know, the so Delta. yeah, so I always had to present myself a certain way growing up there and kind of coming from there that I think it's carried on to now. And also like I do hair for a living, but I ride and train horses too. Wow. So I kind of, I'm just that person. I love to be able to do anything and everything. You know, I love to be super well-rounded. If there's a challenge, I want to face it, and I want to figure out how to do it or how the mechanics of it work or, say, for my horses, if a horse is having a problem, I love a problem horse because I can go in there and I can figure out what's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And so in that lifestyle, I do have to present very differently just because of the people that you're surrounded by, you know? Whereas in Little Rock... I can kind of walk out with fake nails, go to the grocery store, and yeah, there's going to be someone that looks at me funny, but I don't instantly get scared for them to see it, you know? Where if I was living in Brinkley, I would get a little bit scared for them to see me wearing nails. So I would wear, like, cowboy boots and jeans and a a button-up, you know? Mm -hmm. And then on the stage side of it, I want to look rich whenever I'm up there. I want to look like, okay... He, she spent money on all of this, and it looks great whenever I'm sitting in the audience, whether I'm five feet from her or 50 feet from her. It looks great because it's sparkly, it's shiny, it's it's glowing just like she is. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about it. I love the transformation side of it. That's probably my favorite thing, the transformations. 
So this is fascinating that you work in this very like uh, like this agricultural business mm-hmm. too, which is um, typically like you know at least historically not always been a place that welcomes people who are not gender conforming unless you're doing the gay rodeo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you had situations where you were nervous about the way you were presenting or the way you were perceived or? Not really. I I mean I probably did as I was younger. But as I've gotten older, I've just kind of given that, like, whole mindset that it really doesn't matter anymore, you know? as long, I mean, unless you're paying my bills or feeding me or laying in bed with me, like, I really do not care what people think anymore, you know? I just don't because, like I said, it, it doesn't affect me directly. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of learned to brush it off, I guess you would say, like, growing up. And I'm 28 now, so... I've kind of just gotten that attitude where it's like, you know what? People are going to say stuff. People are going to talk, whether you're winning or losing. So why not just stay in the middle and just be yourself and do your thing and not worry about anyone else? Do you uh, train and ride Western or English? Western. I do barrel racing. Awesome. Yeah, barrel racing. That's awesome. Yeah. So competitor through and through. Yeah, totally, totally. I had noticed your uh, classic equine hat, so it yeah. makes sense that um, there's a there's a horse element there. Yeah, totally. There. I've been a part of the Diamond State Rodeo Association. Um, I've gone to the World Gay Finals before. It's I've done it for years. I've kind of taken a little bit of break from it right now, just because it's. Hey, I don't like riding when it's so hot outside. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> I really sure. just do not like riding. Like, how perfect is it that now is drag season? Because yeah, I know. <laughs> right. I Now literally is like my busy time because winter to me is a drag sport because it's so hot and we have to wear so much like undergarments mm-hmm. as far as like, I normally will wear about seven pairs of tights. And, seven pairs of tights? Yeah, seven pairs of tights just because... Um, A lot of people have a boy body. Mm -hmm. I don't have, like, any body augmentation work done. And so a lot of people, they wear, I call them couch cushions. It's just, like, foam. You know, you can get from Joann's or something, and they make their hip pads and their butt pads from it to give you a more womanly shape. And so to smooth it out, you just wear a lot of tights. Mm -hmm. That's how you smooth it out normally. And that's hot as hell. Yeah. Oh, totally. Sometimes whenever it's really, really hot, I'll cheat the system and I'll just wear like some nude shorts that my little my little pockets can slide into. Uh-huh. And so at least I have to wear a, a knee height dress maybe or knee length dress. Um, but I do kind of cheat the system when it's so hot outside. Is that a trade secret? Yeah, some people do it. Some people, especially when it's hot outside, we all kind of have our little secrets that we do or we'll wear a costume where we don't have to wear as many tights or as many or even butt pads for mm-hmm. instance if you have a, a dress that maybe gets wide at the hips and has some sort of accents on it then you can get away with doing it unless you just have man legs and then you don't want to do it but I shave my whole body I do I shave my whole body just to keep it easier mm-hmm. it's way easier to slot a pair of tights on with shaven legs than mm-hmm. with unshaven legs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is um that's fascinating. I also want to ask you. <laughs> I also, I'm just like, wow, I wow. wear tights and I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. You know, I, I, but there, I don't have any, I don't know. I guess I've just never had a problem. It yeah. just depends on what kind of hair you have. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there's a little bit of a conversation right now going on in the makeup industry because a lot more big like makeup labels, mainstream makeup labels have started putting men um, and gender fluid people on their as their face. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I wonder if you can talk a little bit not only about your makeup routine, but like whether you care about a makeup company's politics or if that's not important to you at all and you care if it's like, this is good pigment. Yeah, honestly, makeup, look, whenever it comes to makeup, I can honestly sit here and say that I know how to do my face. You know, I've worked at a couple weddings doing makeups for people and I just kind of go in there and I just start putting a bunch of stuff on it. But... I don't go and spend $30 on foundation. I don't go and spend $30 on a little bitty eyeshadow palette. My favorite place in the land is Drug Emporium. Mm -hmm. I love Drug Emporium for everything they have. And I seriously, even like the dollar store, I'll go and get the nails from there sometime because they're a lot cheaper. I'll walk in there and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy this just to see how it works. And I'll buy that one. And I might go to Sephora or to Ulta and buy the same color or something and see which one works better. Normally, half the time, the dollar store brand works way better. It just, it lasts longer, it works way better, and it's way cheaper on my pocketbook. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, makeup, makeup industries, I love how it's growing. I love how it's including and it's being inclusive for everyone. I think it's, I think it's amazing just because our times are changing. And they really should include include more people, you know. Um, but it doesn't... They don't do anything for me. Unless they're paying me on YouTube. Then I'll use their makeup all the time. Do you have a YouTube channel? Yeah, no, I don't. Oh, okay. But I should probably create one, so maybe they'll pay me. I was just wondering <laughs> if you've ever thought about doing any, like, here's how to do, like, a dollar store complete makeup look. one. Yeah. No, I haven't. But I actually... Someone actually asked me last night if I recorded videos and made videos to put on YouTube. And I was like, no, but that's kind of a good idea. Maybe I'll do it this year with my rain, you know, as like where I traveled to and making little videos and memories and stuff and record. I normally will go for like Facebook Live for a moment, but Facebook Live always gets on to me because I always play music in the background. Oh, yeah, they okay. always they always just block. So I'll be blocked for a little bit. But see, here's the cheat. I got two Facebooks, so <laughs> I can just go and get on the other one. <laughs> um, I know that in sort of more uh, like non-gay pageantry, there's a tradition of somebody's reign having like a theme or a focus. Do you mm -hmm. have one for your reign this year? Have you thought about it? Um, I haven't even gotten to that yet. I've still been like this on the world. Yeah, I've still been on the whirlwind of like winning, and like just yesterday, I actually took my did my first photo shoot for promos to be released. Um, Getting in drag at 8 o'clock in the morning is not made for me, but I did it. I powered through. Um, I kind of am bringing something back that it, it hasn't been focused on, and that's uh, some philanthropy work. I really want to do something with an organization or with um, a, a fundraising platform. And the one that I've actually chosen this year is Arkansas Suicide Prevention. Um, and I'm meeting with Wendy, which is the Arkansas, Oklahoma advisor for that board, I think, um, September like 4th or 5th, maybe. And I'm, I'm just going to work with something to where I can raise money for them to donate to them at the end of the year. I'm also going to get involved with their education. 
so that whenever I do go out to these places and I'm talking to people, I know what I can say to them or what resources are out there. Um, just to just to spread the word, because I think with the Real Miss Arkansas, they always have to have a fundraising platform. I think with Miss Gay Arkansas, Miss Gay Arkansas needs to be seen just as much as the Miss Arkansas needs to be seen. Because mm-hmm. I think holding the title is something that you should get involved with your community, be seen out there, whether I'm as a boy or whether I'm as Chloe. Mm-hmm. I think that it needs to be seen. We need to be heard just as much as Miss Arkansas does. So speaking of that, where can our listeners and folks find you and follow you between now and October and afterward? Um, I'm on Facebook under Evan Neil Jacobs or uh, Chloe Jacobs. I'm on Instagram, Evan Neil Jacobs. Um, pay attention to those. Follow Trinity Nightclub and Discovery Nightclub on Facebook. We always post when I'm in the shows there. I do travel a little bit. Um, like Friday, I'm going to Monroe, Louisiana. That's one of my favorite bars to go to. I go down there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I work in Fayetteville a lot at C4 Nightclub and Fort Smith at Club Kincaid's. Basically, all those places you will find me at least once or twice a month. Well, thank you for visiting us on No Small Talk and congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. I'm so excited. Thanks, Evan. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to No Small Talk, and we're going to round things out with a couple of recommendations. Omaya, do you have a recommendation? I do. I have several recommendations, but they're all sort of around the same thing, which is this weekend is the ACS uh, August event. As part of that, there are several films by Arkansas creators. So Davion is screening this weekend, and they added a second showing of Antiquities because it sold out. And then All the Birds Have Flown South is another Arkansas film. So my recommendation this week is to go look up the ACS schedule and go see something made in Arkansas. There's also a block of Arkansas shorts. And then, uh, the, you know, the tickets to those also get you into their after parties, which are cool networking events if you're into that. Or you can just come and hang out and have drinks or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's my recommendation for this week. Perfect. Yeah. And pick up a copy of the Arkansas Times. We talk a lot about Filmland. It's our cover story this week. And so uh, check that out. We have conversations with Jeff Nichols, Graham Gordy, Mary Steenburgen, Amon Abbasi, uh, among others. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Do you have a recommendation? I do. I'm going to recommend something totally different uh, that I didn't intend to write about at all this week. I love when this happens, when I see a name of a band that I don't know and I go down the rabbit hole and really fall in love with them and this week I fell in love with a band called Cordovas and they are very much of like uh, the band the last waltz era also Grateful Dead Um, maybe I'm just secretly like a Grateful Dead fan who has yet to become a Grateful Dead fan and really I'm just living that out through Cordovas but they they have that kind of sound Yeah.
single person in the band is a virtuoso. Everybody sings. The thing I love about their music, it sounds like the songs have existed for way longer than any of these band members have been alive. You know, it just, it, their music has a very lived-in feel. It's a very solid, very sort of classic. Um, I, I hesitate to use the term Southern rock because I don't know that that really means anything. But to me, it just has that good lived-in feeling that the music from um, Big Pink and The Last Waltz has uh, for the band. Cordova's is their name, and their, the name of their album is called that Santa Fe channel. All right, cool. Yeah. And do you have a move for the week? I do. This always sneaks up on me, so I just want to make sure you know, this is your last call for baseball. Uh, this weekend is the end of the regular Arkansas Travelers season. Um, they have sort of been getting whipped up on by the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, and that is exactly who they'll face uh, this this week, this coming week. So check it out, MILB. Uh, dot com and uh, or you can just google arkansas traveler schedule they'll uh, be playing a series against the northwest arkansas naturals so um yeah if you're from fayetteville or up up there you know pick pick your pick your loyalty definitely right. awesome well that's it uh well you'll hear from us next week next week yeah thanks so much <laughs>